Hello and welcome back to the Timeline Astrology Podcast with myself, Gary O'Toole. And my guest today again is Kishori. So Kishori has been with me before on the podcast as we've discussed her epic poem, The Song of Rahu. And we have been looking at Rahu in each of the houses of astrology or the areas of life where we experience Rahu, the shadow, or what she terms the illuminating dark lord. And so Rahu now in the eighth house is our topic for today. The eighth house is the shadow in many ways, is the dark, is the hidden drives, the impulses that we like to hide from others. And so Rahu exaggerates these. And of course, as always, Kishori turns it around for us completely. And what we might see initially as a hindrance, a block, an obstacle in our life actually becomes the way. So I hope you enjoyed the podcast. And without further ado, here's Kishori. Uh, welcome back, Kishori, um, and thank you. dive into the next intriguing topic, because actually intrigue is very much part of the eighth house as well. It's mystery, mm-hmm. intrigue, mm-hmm. Um, and maybe also diving into some things that might be a little taboo, maybe even. <laughs> <laughs> or more, more, more secret, or you could say not secret, but esoteric esoteric maybe yeah esoteric is a good word for the eighth house um but let's start maybe at the surface level and then go deeper because it is okay. what if i just rhyme off a few things that it represents and we'll dive into one of them and see where we go from there right that's a great idea so eighth house is sex death and therefore also longevity um, it's also so obviously sex therefore it's also intimacy not just physical intimacy it's shared anything or other like shared resources in particular shared values so if the seventh house is your partner then the eighth house is your partner's wealth for example so it's practically those kinds of things so it's your partner's values and wealth as opposed to your own what you're bringing to the table um and so it's anything hidden, like you say, esoteric, um, below the surface. Mm. And let's let's actually cut to the chase. Um, this is probably where we can apply your lovely phrase, syrup on shit, <laughs> <laughs> more than any other house. <laughs> Eighth house is definitely a lot of syrup on a lot of shit, because it's literally in the body, the physical body, the eighth house represents the genitals and the anus mm. and the excrement. Wow. So it's like literally the kind of the shit that we have to get rid of as well. So it represents chronic issues or, 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 or alchemy, really, because if we think shit is actually quite precious because mm. we can transform it into gold. So it, I just got a feeling of excitement when you wrote what it was about. So, oh, wow. Don't know where quite where we're going, but we'll see. So you, you felt excited. That's interesting because the first thing most people astrologically would think about the eighth house is dread and really all right yeah it's like it's probably would would be labeled at least the most challenging house of the zodiac well you know what i'm like about shadow <laughs> <laughs> all the gory details yes but that's yeah because I, I took some notes because we did start speaking about it last time and i, I took a few mm. notes about and this kind of sense of 
what was that saying you, you had the, about the stone that is rejected shall become the cornerstone of the temple exactly this is this is what kind of makes me go oh wow when i see something that is really a, a hidden mysterious chaotic apparently shameful or or i kind of neglected then i get wow wow what can i what can I turn this into? What, how can I see this differently? It's Rahu is the beloved. And so if shit is the negredo, the beginning of the alchemical transformation into the, you know, the opus magnum, that's it. So I just thought, oh, this is really getting down to the business of the opus magnum now. When I read, you, don't, you sent me a couple of lines and I, I went, wow, yeah. But I didn't look at it again, so I'm glad you reminded me. Yeah, yeah. It's like let's let's place it now, I guess, in context of Rahu in the eighth house and what that might suggest. Because I'll give you my sort of astrological, you know, interpretations, and it's just my interpretation. And also what I've seen over the years, what meeting people who have yeah. this combination in their chart. And then we can dive in from there, maybe. So Rahu, of course, the agent of change itself that what I now refer to as the the illuminating guard lord. I'm going to call him that from now on. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, that's the best description. So the illuminating dark lord in the eighth house, in a house that can be dark, right, quote unquote, whatever, mm -hmm. whatever you want to apply to that word, right? Because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. darkness for some people can be like enticing, like you say, and you want to go there and explore. And other people can be scary as shit. Let's mm. it, right so rahu the illuminating dark lord there can really exaggerate these dark themes for mm. good or ill right so i've seen people who have this where they might be really focusing on that stuff the deep dark mm. hidden stuff and always going through a process and therapy and transformation always and obsessing about always going through a process mm. so that's one thing i've seen Mm. What, are you, what are your thoughts? Well, yeah, I was just thinking about how, how in order to survive, and more than survive, to really uh, experience what I know is that the life is benevolent, although it, it has lots of trauma and ups and downs, and my life has been extremely traumatic. But in order to, to live here, desiring to experience the truth of what I know, because there was this gap, I had to start to always go to the place of what is really going on when I see something, well, that we might, everyone kind of resist, like, like looking at what, what is really going on with, with um, imprisoning and and pedophile, pedophilia and, and, and the violence that's going on in the world and all of the, well, all of it, you know, all the destruction. I had to look at turning to see what I, what I now know as Rahu is what I call the, 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 the illuminator, the, the one who is the divine, the divine darkness, which is actually it's the light hiding from itself, apparently, and we have to open further to see it. So that was my way of making my life 
not only livable, but delightful, you know? So it's, it's like this union of opposites. It's always got to be, nothing is what it seems to be. And if it seems to be that something terrible has happened, you can slip through the cracks. You can literally, and not with, without much effort as well, turn a negative situation, apparently negative to the mind, what I call Mr. Frosty Breath, that says, oh, this is terrible, terrible, is actually turn it into something which is extraordinary, uh, blessed. And so, so yes, I, I, uh, I don't know what else to say to you, but yes, I, I absolutely, um, it's, it's true. It's not just something I'm saying. I wanted to taste it. I wanted to make real what I, what I could sense. Mm. No, it's not finished yet. I mean, there's all stuff, more stuff coming up. <laughs> in the but body. it's always more stuff, right? It's sort of like yeah. if we talk about the eighth house being literally the excrement. Yes. We're constantly producing it. Like yeah. we're constantly digesting life experience, if you want to think about it and, energetically. And exactly. And if we don't digest it, we get uh, emotionally, mentally constipated mm. and, or, or, or stagnant or something. But we have, to, we have to find every little bit that seems to be what we wouldn't consciously choose, whether it's a cut finger or something massively, apparently um, unwanted. We have to find the way of looking it at a different frequency, a different frequency, we have to. If we want to maintain some sense of of a balance and and pleasure and delight in living, we we can't go on, as I know I did when I was younger, contracting in the face of a, of a closed door instead of expanding, relaxing, and seeing who is behind this, what frequency is behind this. You know, and, and really beginning to live alchemically. But that was when I was much younger and I began to think, well, um, it felt like life always came in to trip me up. <laughs> and like we said at the beginning, you sit down for a lovely picnic and you get this wasp in, not you, you said a bee, because I, but, but something was actually, literally, apparently wanting to attack you. But it's not, it's never for your harm. It's never. It's always moving us to, to expand more and see what lies behind, what lies beneath, what, what is it? Because we are, as I see, I know my, my archaeological body, we were talking about the body um, um, transmuting or, or something else um, in every moment, and I see... I see my, my body is, is dying, bits in the old me, and something else is living, something which has never been born and never, never going to die. And it's more and more coming into form. And my deep, deep feeling when I inquire about it is that, yes, it's more and more, um, if we allow it, going to be the case. We're going to experience, it already is the case, but we're going to experience this sense of, rejuvenation mm. and more and more um i don't know life force or energy because all of the a lot of the energy lies in the way you encounter 
the, the, the apparently blocked energy behind one of these, well, let's call them difficult situations that might arise in our life, challenges or, or loss or lack. Mm. No. This, this makes so much sense in terms of the eighth house as well, because it's all about death, but it's also about life, because without that change and transformation, there is no life. Yeah, but you have to look at what is what is it that is dying? And what is it that dies in, 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 in what we've lived up till now? What's the default? What is it that's dying? Mm. And if we look at the myths and legends and stories, and <clears throat> I don't know, you can pick anyone like Babaji, Pont Saint-Germain, any of those things. It, it's that years and years ago, I was shown that our myths and legends and the true desires that we would normally, in the normal state of affairs, we think were impossible. My mind does think that certain things are impossible, but, but people do live without eating. People do live without, I mean, in India, there, especially there are some people that, that um, live without food without drinking as well people that they've had in hospital and examined so we know that it, yes it's it might be um uncommon at the moment but i would call it rather than living like that being more metabolically flexible so you my being said to me years ago yes you can eat or not eat and it won't make any difference because it's not food that nourishes you it's prana it's life and movement and, and sound and, uh, and, and many other things. And the enjoyment. You know how different it feels if, well, I, I've experienced it. When you have a meal with some dear friends, mm. how delicious everything is and how heightened everything is. Mm. Then trying to eat something, even if it's something you like on your own. Mm. And sometimes it's, if, you know, if you've got plenty of time and you eat tantrically or something, then yes, it, it's pleasure. But my feeling is it's delight and pleasure and breath and movement and uh, the, the, the ecstatic feeling. That's what nourishes and keeps us alive. While there's pleasure and delight and interest and excitement, you're full of life, however old you are, however old your body might be, I mean. Mm. It's interesting you bring up the issue about eating because, of course, I mean, the eighth house is opposite to the second house of food and eating. And obviously, therefore, it shows the need to rid ourselves of the foodstuffs. If we just talk about very practically initially, foodstuffs that you have to, like the toxins, you have to dispel yeah, yeah. while you digest all the nutrients. So that's why, of course, healing modalities really focus on the clearing out process more than anything. Yes, eliminating toxins. Eliminating toxins, because the eighth house is, is challenging for only that reason, really. It's the toxins that build up that create the problems. So you could say the same about the thoughts we have, the emotions, the traumas that we haven't fully processed. Mm -hmm. It's the eighth house. So how does Rahul, let's talk about Rahul in the eighth house, which can, let's face it, like you say, be all or nothing, be completely blocked or completely open. How can we talk about it in the eighth I, house? Then? You know, I, I think about Rahul being the servant of... of uh, of Venus, say, or the or the disciple of Venus, and <clears throat> if we see, as it says in in the song, that all is pure, purity, impurity is not. It's not just say there's no impurities. Impurity in the heart field or in the 
in the field that we're talking about just doesn't exist. So if once we begin to consider everything as, as okay, whatever it is, everything is then then something changes. Now you remember that story <clears throat> of I think it was Ramdas's uh, guru. What am I to was it named Karoli Baba? I don't know, I can't remember. But they 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 the psychedelic three had gone off to India to spend a season with their guru. Mm. And um I think it was um yeah I think it was named Karoli Baba said and they'd taken a, a season supply of etabs and psychedelic thingies and whatever. And he said, he said, that bag, come on, give me the sweetest. And they look at each other and uh, what sweetest? And they say, it must mean the E-tabs. Okay. So they give him the bag and he swallows it whole, the whole lot. And nothing changes his body, his mind, his presence. And they sit there by the fire all evening speaking and they, they, they are confounded because they don't understand. Yeah. That's one and another story I, I, I sticks in my mind is this was in a, a concentration camp. This happened. There were a few uh, a few friends prisoners who were um, inmates who saw some poison berries hanging over the wall. This, I can't remember. There's a there's one of the the raw food uh, early raw food writers wrote about it, and they decide that they're going to enjoy the the poison berries. And, and die. So they pick them, and one of them says to himself, I'm going to get the most pleasure and joy out of this I possibly can. And he knows he's going to commit suicide. So he chews and chews and chews and chews for hours and mixes it with saliva. He lives because he's so thoroughly digested that experience that the, the, the saliva has turned poison into nutrition. Now, I found that when I read that story, and it's anecdotal, of course, but it's probably real, and I just looked at it from the my inner knowing, and I went, yeah, if we really don't resist and, and digest every single experience, like you would if you were, I don't watch horror movies, I never have liked them, but if you do, or some difficult moment in a uh, violent movie and you stay open and not screw yourself up and think, oh my God, I don't want to watch this bit and just stay open. There's a different energy in the body. Mm. You see what I'm, I'm saying? It's oh, like- Oh, absolutely. Mm. And it's interesting because at the moment there's a really popular TV show or a show on Netflix. Um, the most watched show of all time it's called squid game and basically it portrays this it's a korean series and it portrays this sort of dystopian um sort of setup where all of these hundreds of people are brought to this game where they play these it's interesting the choice child games korean child games but if they lose they're shot on the spot <laughs> so even though they're playing kind of these childish games it becomes really now important that they get it right, whether whatever it is, jump over this or get beyond this line. And if they don't make it, they get shot. And it's just interesting that this is the most popular TV show ever. And at this time, because everyone is in a way trying to 
digest what's going on in the world and maybe through more entertainment means, right? They need to take it on. They need to watch something that is quite like a gory sort of- Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I think about horror movies. It's like we have to, or we need to look at these things in a safer on the screen way as opposed to experiencing it in our lives, but we still have to experience it. Like my teacher here in Ireland, Pearl Finn, used to say with the transits of the planets, if something's going on, actually, why not look at it, like watch it on the TV? Because it's going to be portrayed in, on the TV anyway. If you need to experience that at this time, look at it, get involved in it in that way, as opposed mm. to it just happening to you. Mm. You know what I mean? But mm. I'm, I'm having a thought now about when you talk about that, the other side of that is when you talk about taking on or digesting even poison berries. What about those with Raho and Eighth that could even turn the most pleasurable experience into a toxin? Yes. Right? Yes. That's the other side of it. Yes. Like it, it, even like let's just start with food again. Like if even if this this meal is the most nourishing, well-prepared meal that you could imagine sitting in front of you and was lovingly prepared for you, and yet your mind says, I shouldn't be eating this, this is bad for me, or this, this, that, and the other, whatever. And even though it's not. And you begin indulging or eating that food and you know it's or you think it's bad for you the effect that has on you absolutely because it's always it's not the what it's the how mm. of everything if we if we stay fully present fully open to digesting any experience like i just mentioned about the, the, you know the, these two experiences it, it's there's nothing impure there's nothing, there are no toxins. My sense is that everything is the way that you see it. Everything has to be the way that you choose. But if you stay in the heart field, you stay open, all sorts, even the, even, even things that you would think couldn't happen, they, they do happen. Things completely change. It's a complete different frequency. Hmm. Um, so it's just why people would want to watch horror movies or whatever maybe, I, I don't know but I they mean, want to process the whatever that's going on for them in a way that's more palpable maybe it's like it's not happening to me personally I'm watching it on a screen or whatever it is well yes I mean there are the most apparently uh, horrific things going on chaotic horror torture going on in the world all the time so when you say apparently because one of the, the, the things i wrote down about um that all is pure impurity is not that's right that's so the song that, rahu says <laughs> right that's the song rahu so rahu says all is all is pure so can you explain a bit more about that if you see everything well i tell you there's an experience i had once it must be maybe my 40s and i i I was just looking at, at everything. And on one day it became apparent to me that everything was made of what I called candy floss. I was watching this one summer's day, the particles of light. And I saw that at the very fundamental level, everything was made of consciousness. Oh, but consciousness to me looked and felt like candy floss, like spun gold, like a very light, sweet, fluffy spun gold and it and it's like um if everything is the same 
what what we perceive is is not always what's happening. And in fact, it can never be what happens because it's all reality. It's all whatever you call it: reality, consciousness, candy floss, or God. What what does it matter what you call it? It's stuff. And and when we get to the, the 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 bottom line of looking at life, and we see that, and we begin to experience it, we see we can change anything into anything. I used to be, believe when I when I first read Castaneda, I mean, oh, I was only about eighteen, nineteen, and I'm reading about Don Juan and uh, shape shifting and becoming animals. I think what's an imagination. I didn't know that imagination is actually what everything is in those days. I was so good a few years ago, about 60 years ago. Oh my God, it's a long time. Anyway, anyway, if everything is in the mind of the one, and then it's experiences, stories, horror stories, romances, love stories, and all the stories, the fairy tales, and they all come right in the end. And, and everything is the same substance. So then there is, how can there be anything impure? It's all of a piece. Like when you go to watch a, a horror story, as we said, or a, or a violent movie, you don't say, well, sense of those bits. Thing wouldn't make sense if we didn't have uh, something, some shadow, some contrast, some, it wouldn't, whether it's a, a romance, you get a few little possibilities of tripping up or a real full-blown horror science fiction. doesn't make any difference. In fact, all the science fiction stories, are, or a good number of them, are coming true with what we see in the world. We don't know where it's going. But I tell you, I'm staying in the heart field. Because <laughs> <laughs> you can slip through the cracks with everything that way. Mm. It just depends the frequency with which you experience something. It makes me think of the the um the tantric approach where you have like the sense of it's just basically the same as you're saying, but of course that's what Rahu is. It is the, the left hand path, if you want to put it mm -hmm. that way. And Rahu in the eighth is certainly the left hand path of yes. seeing everything as love, whether yeah. it's in the form of hatred, rage, whatever you can think of, it's still in the it's still love in the form of hatred and rage or whatever yes 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 and you can transform it i mean some of the most incredible stories that happen i think i told you one before about some some meditation master um just by his presence uh, got a member who'd walked into the group who'd got a, a, a an knapsack full of bombs and guns and knives and just to start to weep and open his bag and change his frequency and give up. So it to me it it makes sense to to educate everybody, anybody that's interested anyway. And I'm doing some pilot schemes with 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 children and uh, teenagers at the moment. And to to make everyone understand that this whole world could be completely different. I remember when I first realized, I must have been, I don't remember, standing outside the, the on the staircase of the of a bedroom in a retreat center I was running. And I went, oh my God, I've only got to just go and tell everybody this is the way it is. And 
and and everything will be all all this muddle will be over and i'll be superfluous i truly so naive i believed i went wow i've only got to just tell everybody and i for a while i went on like well i have a few little groups of you know of, of uh, what we call them students uh, followers uh, people who are interested and they listened but i had to be very careful who i said it to because it does sound completely wacky to to the default you know mm. but it but it's true if you shift your frequency you begin to radiate differently you radiate from a state of wholeness and and things like disturbance whatever we want to call them they just don't happen so in terms of rahu though and I mean, I really get what you say, and I really get a sense of it more than anything, and I've lived it, this sense of needing to take on board the dark path, quote-unquote, right? That To transmutate that energy. And yes, like, if we talk about transmutation as, a, as and also sexual yes. transmutation as well. Yes. But the, the thing to do is not do anything, though. It's, it's a, activate or take it to the heart field. You know, that simplicity I have of putting hand on heart, I'm going, okay, show me what's really happening. That's what I used to say in the beginning. Show me what's really going on behind this apparent closed door. And it would all just... Mm -hmm. I wish I'd been more skillful when I was younger. <laughs> I would have avoided <laughs> things that I can avoid now. <laughs> you bring up a really important point, though, right, in terms of skill, because let's face it, eighth house represents all of those things that are really icky and messy. Yes. Like, let's talk about like the icky, messy stuff, like you know the excrement and the the yes. snot, and the spit, and the yes. shit, and all of that stuff, right? That when you get very intimate with someone, because initially when you come together with someone and you have this contract or you you get into a, a relationship, like yeah. you get married, and then all the shit starts to come up afterwards. Absolutely, because because that's the that's the baby stuff when you get in physical contact or in domesticity with somebody, then then it will activate the memories of, well, what did babies do? They 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 poop and they vomit and they there and they sick all over you and then, and it's I was gonna say, but in terms of like getting beyond that kind of physical gross things, in terms of the the shit, quote unquote, that comes up in the relationship as in I have to look at this in myself now and I'm not really comfortable with dealing with that. And this person is reminding me of this thing. Yes. That's also eighth house. Yes. And not then wanting to maybe, uh, you know, maybe pulling back as well. Rahul might show someone who actually fears intimacy then. Yeah, of course all these things will come up. And they're meant to come up, but not, for, not to disturb us, for us to activate our curiosity and to look at everything that makes you feel icky with curiosity. Because... It's the only way to integrate every experience. And the more you resist some experience or dislike it or it makes it uncomfortable and you leave it like that without examining it, why are you feeling like this and, and how to, to recognize what is really going on, the more you get it in spades, the more the resistance grows and it, the whole of life becomes complicated. I tell you, I'm speaking from experience. I made my life so difficult because of the resistance, the inbuilt from the conditioning 
until I began to really, really deeply look at it. I, I really have a sense when I think about resistance, because I used to think about resistance as just that, like you're resisting this change that has to happen or whatever, this transformation that's mm -hmm. taking place. But now I kind of see resistance as part and parcel of the actual change that's happening. The heart feeds on all of this icky. It feeds on darkness. It loves it. It consumes it. It's actually wanting it to appear because the heart feeds on it. Mm. And, and, and it's all very well me saying it, but there has to be a curiosity to experience the, 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 the indifference or the acceptance of these, of these things, you know, you know, like having, like having a baby. If you have a baby, you have to deal with all of that. Your whole body becomes icky and bloody and messy. And if you're looking only at that, but if you absolutely embrace it all, it can become utterly orgasmic experience. Mm. And there, there is no resistance to getting up in the night because your baby's wet or screaming or sick or because because what is really going on is the the call to feel love, not to force it, not to make it, not to go, it's my duty. You know, I once I once had a husband who said, It's my duty, love you. I said, You don't love me anymore. We don't it's my duty to love you. And I said, What? <laughs> But seriously, if you start activating and examining anything, any experience, why, like people say, well, why has this happened? Why has this happened to me? You, the being, not you, the personality, you, the being has, has caused it. You, you, who you really are, has brought it about. There is no other. Otherness doesn't exist. So if, if you accept that every single thing that is apparently happening to you, however delicious or disgusting it might appear to mine to be the experiences you are responsible you are source you are cause of it and and it leads to the most incredible freedom and disappearance of the of the sense of disgust you remember the story i think i told you once before was it was it thomas ahern uh, I can't remember, one of the early English mystics, and he was out walking, and he saw a pile of dog shit. Mm. And in his, in his contemplation of this, it became a, a pile of sparkling jewels and diamonds and rubies, and you know? Because he was at a high frequency, that's what he saw. All he saw was consciousness. That and makes it, so much sense, and what you, you talk about in terms of the candy floss, but it's interesting when you, if you turn that around, as you can always, because you can turn the most you know, a magical thing yeah, into a toxin, yeah. right? But if you talk about candy, it's interesting that you use candy floss as an analogy. It's also sugar that exactly. many, many would say is toxic. But sugar is not a toxic of itself. It's only what we do with it and a week. If, if you can get a, such a high frequency, you can digest a, a seasoned supply of ETABs for three people uh, in one go and remain unmoved. I mean, wow. But that's what I'm saying. It's just it's very interesting how you use the, the candy floss analogy where that yes. is. That's what, that's what my inner said to me when I was looking at it and going, 
oh wow, it's all candy floss. That was my first response. And ever since then, I've seen it like, you know, the little pixelated molecules that you see on a summer day and, and it's all floating around and you, and it was like, oh wow. It's but now, now looking at the, the dog shit yeah. <laughs> and looking at that as the same, in the same way that it's, it's all, it's all of a piece, as you say, right? All of a piece. It's all of a piece. It's fascinating because this disgust thing, I think is really interesting because that's very eight house and how we can get disgusted. But like you say, you know, the, the stone that was rejected shall be the cornerstone of the house. Of the, temple. the eighth house or the, the temple, the eighth house is also what sustains a relationship, but it's also, it is also what will break it up. The, the, but this is this is this uh, union of opposites. This this um, the thing that Rahu says all along. He he delivers is is that if you can or not if when you can because it will come to us all ultimately. We can we can we can be presently engaged with it now if we choose. But sooner or later, kicking and screaming or willfully engaging with it, it will come that all of us will see it's all consciousness it's nothing is here it's stories and and games and, and fun and pleasure like sunlight on water it's just play the divine leela and and but when i say it like that and people don't have experience of it or haven't explored it in their own atmavichara their own in, in, inquiry then it's just like oh wow that's what makes it seem flaky because of the judgment about it. Because you know somebody's just off on a little you know, trip, but it's not. It's literally like that, and you can make by your attitude. It is totally possible to transform all circumstances into simplicity. And you know, I am absolutely sure in my own being. I wouldn't. I know I talk about it very much that that. It's all already done. Everything is all already done. And that's what I mean. The state of consciousness or candy floss or completion with no barriers. And well, what we are apparently evolving into, it's not evolution, it's recognition that, let's look at the, 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 the frequencies of infrared and ultraviolet beyond the spectrum. We are, and I don't know what there is after that, but there will be more but it will all come full circle. It is, it seems like to those of us who, who, who really are looking, it seems like evolution, but it's not evolution. It's just more of what is becoming available to the conscious mind all the time. Like, like that little game of the, of the cat putting its, its, its nose in front of a, a door, you know, and you, you, the cat appears a little, some whiskers and a nose, and then, and gradually more and more comes, and and it can be anything that's appearing, but when you get the whole picture, the full spectrum picture, then you say, oh yeah, it's just a cat, oh yeah, it's just candy floss, but for that it takes it takes persistent inquiry, and that's why knowing what you are or exploring in that explore of, uh, of yeah, well it's very seductive once you get hooked onto seeing what it what reality really is then 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 it all becomes easy crystal clear a game and you start to play it's not about sitting in a cave and getting enlightened 
It's about being here, playing with circumstances, playing with, with, with physical, apparently, matter, and, and, and being able to shapeshift, like Carlos Castaneda's Don Juan, you know, to be able to become whatever you want. I, I know that we are moving more and more. There are more and more people are going to be recognizing what I'm saying, even if it's not been spoken of. We're recognizing. We're just, we are, we are nature. We are consciousness. We are what Osho called Buddha nature, or whatever you want to call it. But I'm sure anyone listening to this would, by listening to this, would already hear what you have to say in this moment anyway perhaps but in their life when the shit hits the fan that but that's that's why it that's why it is important that we play with this in the west in ordinary lives with things like relationships and sexuality and money and 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 emotions and things that for the most part may be people in a in a cave in the himalaya you remember the story that um I think I mentioned it the other day. You can be in heaven or hell at any moment. There's a story that Osho told like that. And you can just, you can just choose. But, but the vast majority of people have not been educated enough to understand how to shift an emotion by movement, by sound, by, by choosing, becoming skillful at, at recognizing a, a heavy emotion, feeling it for a moment, going, do I want to go this? No. And then, and then selecting a different state of emotion at will. It doesn't mean ignore. It doesn't mean not pay attention. If a feeling of rage comes, yes, you think, well, wow. You feel the huge release of energy. But when you take that rage into the heart field, I'm not saying don't feel it, feel, and then watch as it transforms into a kind of ecstatic, orgasmic energy. And for that, it's not, not it's no good just listening to somebody tell you about it. You've got to experiment with it. You've got to be so curious to see what is really going on, all this stuff that happens that we appear to have no conscious control over, that are circumstances, and emotions are part of the circumstances. Because they'll be they'll be they'll be coming from some reactive thing that's apparently happening that, that you didn't set up, but you did. Everybody did. Everybody set up everything, except that didn't do it consciously and you forgot when you. This is so important to hear and to talk about more because, of course, the eighth house is everything that's hidden and our own subconscious and not recognizing that we actually have set it up. But you also make that really important point that. And I'm glad you talked about it because this notion of and the tantric path would be not avoiding how we're feeling, not trying to just completely yes. shut out what we're feeling in order to escape through more maybe, um, you know, even if it's well-meaning and meditative practices, which basically allow you to check out and bypass what's going on. But it doesn't mean ignore the feeling. It means be aware of the, the emotion Consciously take it to the frequency that that loves it, that wants to digest it, and then you create flow. And what's going on with all the people being, you know, like, like I talk about the boys running around London stabbing each other and, and gang wars and um, war at all or any conflict. 
the internal conflict is is uh, is what creates autoimmune disease and whatever we've got going on in the world it's a house divided and we have to become we have to live in we have to move into uh, yoga real yoga the, the real union of, of everything so recognizing that it's all of one one thing that if all of one uh, substance if we just if we just bury it and do a bit of syrup on shit as we call it and don't notice say oh no i'm always happy i'm always it's not not it's not positive thinking or just being happy it's noticing the feeling and then taking some inner action or maybe even going for a walk or even standing outside in the garden screaming or sounding or singing or smashing a plate or, but whatever it is it's doing it deliberately consciously knowing that there is an, a force coming and as you free that force, the energy and the, the, the movement of being and the, the, the love of expression that's behind that becomes available to you. It's life force. And, and your life force, you expand your own life force by not burying emotions. It doesn't mean going around and, and stabbing somebody or being enraged with, because there's no other person to be enraged at. I do remember once... I had a oh a, a certain a partner and um, I don't know I think he was late back or something and I stood at the top of the stairs and absolutely screamed and he was a very conscious being and he went oh wow do that again you look magnificent <laughs> <laughs> and I went oh yeah because I just let it go you couldn't do that if the person is not ready to go be curious you mm. just have to go well there's no other but I was really peed off with it. <laughs> I'm so late. <laughs> it was well, you know. <laughs> but this is this is such an interesting point. It's so important because I mean, I wish I had met you 20 years ago. I couldn't have spoken of it. Okay, okay. I could not have. I did, but not with the the, the relaxed clarity now that I look at it. And it doesn't mean it's like that fully in my life all the time. I mean, sometimes I go, "Oh God, my leg hurts. What am I doing?" And then I have to go back and say, "Okay." I know that everything is already in that state in, in quantum. And it's not in time that I'm moving towards it, but in yoga, in integration. So I just go more deeply, put it in the heart and go, oh, I see. This is an old samskara coming up for me to embrace. I embrace it. And, and when I am skillful at that, it will disappear completely. And Someone who is really skillful, like a Rishi or a, a, a great master that can manifest uh, jasmine perfume in his hand just by thinking about it, by just intending, you know, or raising from the dead. Oh, it's not there, but, but, but I can more or less manage with, with emotions and physical uh, disturbances, samaskaras in the body, mostly. But always, and sometimes immediately, and sometimes it might take me a few minutes, or if I'm tired, and this is really important, to not let yourself get really exhausted. Because in those states, it's, it's more difficult to maintain equilibrium. And you're very likely to, in those states, you might have accidents, drop things, things disturb somebody so don't get tired make sure you're taking you're self-regulating 
enough to be able to observe everything that happens with dispassion, or if not with dispassion, to, to recognize that something is emerging. Go out for a walk or go to sleep or, or I don't know, anything. Change the channel. Because if you take, if you put simply, putting your hand on your heart, no complicated machinations of the mind, simply hand on heart, take a breath or two, relax, maybe walk. Movement, breathing, sounding, all these kind of things, they are nourishing and they are balancing. And, and you can shift, but you have to give yourself the bits that don't know. I mean, everybody listening must have some, some knowledge somewhere because otherwise they wouldn't be bothering to, to, to listen. But you can expand that by simply whenever it's challenging. Recognize if your body's tired, if you're physically tired, or you're in, uh, you can easily go into overwhelm like that. Then go to sleep or go somewhere, do something nice. Just very simply, might even be sit down, have a cup of tea or a glass of wine or anything, but change the channel. And eventually, when that is your intention, it will happen without you having to have any thought. You will be the space in which uh, unloved, shall we call it, or apparent, mm, apparent distortion is digested automatically because all of us are the heart. At, 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 you know, the bottom line is that is what we are, consciousness. And consciousness is biased in, in this planetary logos anyway. I don't know about everywhere, but I know in this planetary logos, it's biased in favor of harmony. Even dissonance, as Rahu says, I am the dissonance at the furthermost reaches of, of the, of the uh, ultimate resonance. You know, so, so if we know that it's all, it's all, it all has to, it is all already completed. The journey through sam, samsara is already complete because this is a bubble of time space and we have to get skillful at playing in the playground so that we can laugh. Like, like I remember I told you when I used it years ago and after I'd met Rahu really and engaged with him and, and I used to get this face with a great open laughing mouth, something would go wrong in my estimation. And I would go inside and look and there would be this huge laughter, <laughs> you know, the laughter of, of ultimate consciousness vib vibrating with the joke of this life. Mm. So you can, it is possible, uh, uh, and, and, and then it's meant to be in this ordinary life and you don't have to go to a monastery and you don't have to sit down and chant home all day. You are, you are here knowing this is all your, your sacred offering, your, your puja, your game, just being here and enjoying that bag of fish and chips or that tantric raspberry or, or just being curious and wonder, full of wonder. And that's enough. As we were saying at the beginning, that's your yoga. Just as we were talking before we began, mm -hmm. that is yoga. If you experience everything, and we've all, we, we, they, they say um, about past lives, 
we've all come here, we all come here to experience everything. And I suspect that we all have. I don't know much about past lives because my being told me years ago, well, there are no lives in the past. If you're still carrying it, if you're still carrying it, it's present, it's not in the past. It's influencing, <laughs> right, right. It's in your life now. It's here. It's, everything is here now. The perfect right. point, this pinpoint right now, that's it. There's nothing else. So that makes so much sense because when you think about it, like the only reason thinking or believing that you have had past lives is that it's having an impact on you now. Absolutely. Yes. It's not in the past. You've got it in uh, and you've got it in the freezer somewhere. <laughs> you, know, you haven't been able to eat it up like I used to get my children when I when I used to feed them fish fingers when they were little. <laughs> if they they didn't want to eat it, what I'd give it for them for, for tea if they didn't eat it for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> or I'd put it things in the freezer. But yes, we I remember um I remember running a group once years ago, how beauty learned to love the beast and eat up all her dinner. <laughs> Times of being made to sit at the back of the hall um, when I wouldn't eat my school dinner, <laughs> being forced to do something I didn't want. I just find this fascinating because I wanted to talk about this a bit more because I, I, for myself personally, and I'm sure people listening would get the sense of, I can get what you're saying in that, you know, it needs, it's, it's all of a piece and you need to just bring it into the heart field and absorb it. And it turns, it changes the experience of it. But for me, my personal journey has been this resistance of that to the point of no i need to get away from that as quickly as possible and transform it into something else because i don't like that right but and then i went to the other extreme where no i actually have to embrace it fully and all of a sudden i'm thinking actually wait a minute am i getting too into all of the shit right am i just staying there too long and not transforming it enough right so it, it seems to be with rahu that you can go from one extreme to the other of really trying to avoid all of it or going so deeply into it that all your life is a, a processing of trauma. I would suggest you have the word allow in gold, in gold on your fridge door or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and I guess also not taking that, I mean, we all talk about having being responsible, but not taking responsibility. The heart will digest it, the heart frequency. You, the personality that is aware of, that is self-aware, that which we call me, the bit that's conscious in talking now, that bit can't do it. What you can do is make a choice to allow it to be brought into balance, into equilibrium. And for the heart to consume it, the heart goes, lovely, oh, love this. And it eats it up because, because it does. If the heart is here, the heart field consumes any leftover. That's what I call that title, how beauty learned to love the beast, Rahu, mm. and eats up all our leftovers. We've, every trauma or every, mm, every buried something that we haven't seen that's in the dark, in the shadow, has to surface. It has to come up to the surface of the ocean in order to be seen and then taken to the heart and dissolved. What the, the default human response or reaction is, oh, something horrible is happening, 
and contract and push it down and put the lid on. And it, it, we have to get skillful at balancing all this. So we don't want to explode and vomit all over everybody if you're in a meeting or something, but there has to be a way of, of dealing of, of, of dealing with, with it and when it's appropriate. And what's come to mind now is a client of mine many years ago. And uh, she was very, very scared of her feelings and, and wouldn't, we, we, she came, came to me and sat with me, but we didn't get anywhere because she didn't want to either talk or feel. Or, so I said, look, we're going to make a bargain with your being. We're going to say, if you will sit in your room and allow, just allow whatever's coming up, and if you feel like crying and have some means of making it private when you're on your own or in a field somewhere where if you want to shout or cry, just allow it. Steer into the skid. But if you promise to allow that space every day, a little bit of time, you will not explode and in places where you still want to keep your, your dignity or your whatever it is you want. And so you don't appear like a, you know, something that's like a, a blue monde. And, but gradually it integrates itself. And, and it happened. That woman became the most incredible therapist over the years. Amazing what's happened to her. Lovely. It's beautiful. It, it makes so much sense in terms of what we know as well, in terms of uh, therapy now and, and counselors who talk about, you know, re-traumatizing clients and things like that. Whereas obviously there is a balance that you do need to process stuff, but you also need to process all you can. If you can't digest it, then it's just going to re-traumatize you, right? You can get so skilled at, at, at somehow creating the circumstances you don't do it consciously. You don't have to do it with the mind. Um, I think I told you about another person who's, I think she had, um, she had a, an incestuous uh, time with her father. I think, mm -hmm. I can't remember. Anyway, we did some regression in the years when, ago when I used to do that. And um, she went into this relationship thing with him that we, and normally it would take me about an hour or, or so, but she went and did the whole thing, ex encountered the, the memories of having been, um, I don't know, I don't, I don't know what, some, some, some sexual relationship that was incestuous, and, and experiencing it and, and integrating again with the father and coming out of it without, and so when she came out, she said it was my portal to enlightenment. She experienced the whole thing without that, that, that being re-traumatized or in overwhelm. But that is, a, that is a skill of saying, saying so deeply in the heart and knowing when, or, or without even knowing your mind, knowing when the client is ready. Mm. And trusting that the heart will do it all. Mm. And of course, for anyone listening and for yourself, obviously just knowing when you are yourself ready. Yes. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying if you are really in overwhelm or tired, or you've got to get some sleep, some rest, some some take the pressure off. It's like it's just like exercising, mm. you know. 
you push him, you, I started doing some, some uh, little warrior, Qigong warrior practice, pushed a bit too hard for, oh, this is great, like this. And, and I did the, the, the full amount of the, the, the time that they recommend. And I'd have done better to do a 10th and then build up. Mm. <laughs> I couldn't walk for a couple of days, but that, that's it is pacing yourself being so in touch that we don't push. Uh, you may bring up a really important point there because of course the tendency for Rahu is to be all or nothing. So what someone again might do is just go full tilt into the trauma, mm. right? You know, that, that is a quite a common a signature of Rahu in eighth house where someone is always going through some process mm. that they don't ever allow themselves to rest. No, it's very important. Remember, I think I talked to you about the the um, heart communication process that I I used to do with clients. Well, still do, but I don't do it one on one really. Um, where you set the room up and <clears throat> they're having a conversation with the the other, the one, the, the the divorced spouse or the the estranged child or whatever it is, and you have the two seats. But I always put a being of light in the imagination behind. With children, being someone like Superman, or um, but a being of really high consciousness. And there's got to be somebody, whether it's in a, an angel or it's a, a, just somebody that you really rate. But it's an expression of the heart behind, with a hand on the heart. You know, that, that, that vulnerable bit at the back of the spine where it feels so delicious when someone puts their someone you love puts their hand there. Mm -hmm. It's such a sweet spot. And, um, and making sure that there is a, a containing place while this, this interaction takes place. First level of conversation of unfinished business and then moving into the connection at the heart and moving into the place where there's only one. So there's various stages in it. But the most important thing is to set the scene before you begin to go into an unintegrated um, process. And I call it um, giving attention to presence in the experience of apparent absence. I mean, I had a great friend who, well, her cat died and this cat was everything. And, and I knew that she was suffering and it would, be, it would be a long time before it came to rest. And I, I, you know, I managed to get hold of her. And, and explain because she was very, very, um, very, very beautiful woman. She knew she did it and first time. And gradually she began to feel the presence, not gradually, suddenly. And then um, hearing sounds that only this beautiful being um, would make. It was, it's, it's, it's possible to experience anything. This is how we are going to change uh, as humanity, we're going to change our world. This is all an experience, what we're having. It's all been buried, and it's the shit coming out to be seen and transmuted, transformed. But yes. not by the conscious personality. We can't do it. But there is a knack of allowing. Like when you get on a bike or when you swim. I mean, after a while, you get the knack of riding a bike. And are you doing it? No, something switches on in the body, which is innate, which brings about the state of balancing. 
I'm sure I'm sure flying is like must be like that when when we learn <clears throat> when we remember how to fly. And swimming is like that. At first you just kind of sink. Babies don't seem to sink though, do they? They teach babies how to swim. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. They naturally swim. Yes. It's almost like you have to unlearn how to you know, swimming, you have to unlearn it, swimming. We unlearn lots of things as we take on the the unintegrated uh, samskaras of others. Mm. I, I wanted like I wanted um Rahu now in a different guise and drop. On, the I want to drop the tone really drastically now from that heart field and and on, the obvious um, expressions of eighth house, which is all that like icky guilt, shame, sex stuff that goes on. In yes, yes. It rules the genitals and the anus and all right, that. Right. Let's, let's talk about sex then, and that or that. About sex. <laughs> Everyone's ears are perking up now. Okay, let's talk yeah. about sex and Rahu. That can get interesting. So let's talk about guilt and shame and. And abuse as well and trauma because I was reading yes. an article recently where apparently I don't know what kind of unreal percentage of women apparently have had some sexual abuse and even if it's just some like someone exposing like indecent exposure like so many women experience that experience and, and that, that men as well boys men too. as well absolutely boys too and, and, and sex growing up as a boy as a girl is just this thing you just don't talk about. Thinking about like why would a grown man need to expose himself to, to anyone in public, right? Because there's obviously something going on there where it's like we don't walk around all day every day with our genitals hanging out, and yet there they are, right? Yes. So it's like just using that as a maybe doorway into this shame and guilt stuff and sex stuff that we bury so deep and how it comes out in all kinds of really distorted ways. You know when people have these kind of kinks and fetishes and all of yes, this kind of yes, stuff yes. that it's so hidden, right? But it's again, it's where that saying like we're only as sick as our secrets. Exactly. And the quickest way uh, to to move stuck energy on, the the recapitulation and the repetition, uh, I've got to expose myself whether I even think it just happens, is 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 to disclose something. It's a really amazing practice to find something that you haven't told anybody. You know this this big project I have the world project tell me which I'm, I'm about to launch again locally and we sit and communicate like an enlightenment intensive tell me what you really love tell me and so they tell me disclosing something and take something that doesn't freak you out to start with to practice something that you've never told anybody because the fear or the the resistance is, is stops it, blocks it at first. But when you begin to tell a little secret and you realize, oh, the world didn't fall to pieces. Uh, it's like the, it's like Jung, and I was mentioned it last time, Jung and the unthinkable thought when he was a young man. He was looking at the beautiful uh, um, roof of Baal Cathedral. He didn't want to think this, he didn't want to think it. And then he thought, oh God, all right, I'll think it. And then he saw God sitting on, a, on his throne, uh, sitting, sending two great big turds to smash the, the towers, the glistening towers of our cathedral. And it, it's like, oh. And, and you can, with skill, allow all of these fantasies or repressed energies 
because the unconscious will push them out. Like somebody with, with Tourette's, for example, the unconscious makes them swear and, and it's, they wouldn't do it consciously, but there's a split and the same in a family with one child who is, let's say, schizophrenic or, or something else. It's that the, the shadow will out. So you're much more skillful to express a little secret, to take the lid off the pressure cooker and gradually realize, oh, actually, there's nothing, you can say this, I mean, you know, um, and just reveal things mm -hmm. and be easy with the revelation of it. And everybody else around you then is more comfortable. When you're, yeah, exactly. And it, but it, it get, for me, it's the sense of like you, you would say, bring it to the heart field, but it's like you, that you have to really reach down and wrench something really deep down there up. Well, actually, once you begin, what I call the energy that I call the inner file manager takes over and presents and says, do you want to keep this, this old file here or would you like to, to, to recycle it, shred it? for example, and a memory comes up and you can either go um, red-faced, cold, shiver, full of embarrassment, or you can look at it with curiosity and you go, why do I feel like this? How would I like to feel? Oh, it's just some old dream I had. You'd like to feel comfortable with it because, or, or never even remember it anymore because it will come up from the depths. Mm. And it can be a very simple, natural process once you've allowed, like my the, 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 my friend, the, the lady who became a, a brilliant therapist, and she didn't want to even share, and not even, she was so scared of, sh of crying in public, you know? So the thing, the thing is, being easy and having some kind of simple plan of, or intention of taking the lid off your pressure cooker, because everybody who's got secrets bubbling away that it's time to process, they're coming up, whether they're from your own lifetime, whether they are inherited through the lineage, and it does get stronger, the shadow that's not dealt with from your parents or your grandparents, it comes stronger. I don't know, did I ever read you that poem about uh, Shadow Baby, Baby Jane? I think I will another time. And it's about that the, the ball of, of shadow, shit shadow, gets bigger and more and more demanding with every generation. Mm. Every generation, and I, I wrote this beautiful poem about it. Um, anyway, not about it, expressing, I don't write about things, I, I write, mm. you know. And so, so it's, it grows and it gathers like in, like in um, uh, God's grandeur in Hopkins, you know, it gathers, why, why can man now not feel uh, his foot being shod? And it gathers to a greatness, like the ooze of oil crushed. We have to pay attention. When these little memories come up, or when experiences come in the outer world, it's saying, pay attention. And if you do pay attention, when you get a little whisper inside, be curious and allow, just put your hand on your heart. No big, long, dragging, dredging. The inner file manager, once you set your hand to the plow, you can't turn back because you've given permission for it to start rising. And if you don't get permission, you get explosions of overwhelm. 
So give permission and do like my friend that I spoke about. Make a space in your life every day, a short space, to feel what wants to be felt, what wants to come up out of the depths. And it can happen very peacefully once you've committed to allowing. That's that word of curiosity and allowing. They are the watchwords. Be curious and allow. Curious and allow. That's so interesting because my sense as I listen to you is that as I get older, um, the benefit of getting older, of course, is that you are more conscious. If you are more conscious, well, yeah. you are more and more conscious as you get older. And there you are processing more and more of the things perhaps in your childhood or, or as a young person that you weren't consciously processing at the time. And you're ideally, hopefully, not adding to the pile <laughs> so that it does get easier to process as you you know get older i imagine that's why it's my experience anyway so far i i'm i it does i mean if i'm anything to go by it it does but at the cost i mean at my age now i mean got a lot of suffering when i was young not understanding and um life was really really complicated and unhappy and I made this deep relationship with Jesus being brought up Catholic and in my 40s and I think all hell had broken loose with marriage with everything and um, I was kneeling in church one day and it this statue or this whatever you might call it the sacred heart just said go this is not your place this is no longer the archetype for you you cannot stay here anymore. And then I mean, much later, I met uh, somebody who was a born-again Christian who was helping paint my mother's house. And she said, you have to go back to Jesus. You have to go back to Christ. I said, well, I never left, actually. He opened up his heart, and I walked straight through into India and Chinese and Tantra and the I Ching and, 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 and the Vedas. And, you know, I explored it all. And knowing, knowing how a little, little, little um, way that you, uh, you like, you can enjoy of a practice. And a practice does not have mean having to do, uh, you know, an hour in the gym and an hour singing, singing Om or whatever. It means a space where you are quiet, where you're not trying to do anything as an actor in the story, but you are really looking and feeling what your heart wants to you to know, wants to be known, wants to be revealed, wants to be, wants to integrate. And if you've got that little space every day where you are simply, what they used to call examination of conscience, but, but that's an old Christian thing, you know, and not there's anything wrong with calling it that, but a, a place where you really look at what's going on with curiosity and compassion, self-compassion, for the bits of you that are still blind, wanting to open their eyes. Atmavichara, there's the most beautiful words in Sanskrit, mm. that self-inquiry. And just have that little space. Self-inquiry is enough. And then gradually, if, if chanting or make, doing postures or anything, is your way and you love it do that as well but it's all expression they're not they're not the means they are expression you have amazingly Jory, yet again preempted the next talk you've just oh, again into rahu in the ninth house 
Yeah, because obviously after the process of alchemy and the transformation of all that icky stuff in the eighth house, you go to transform the shit into gold into the ninth house, which is all about religion and faith and belief and hope and optimism and that more expansive worldview. And we, when we talk about Rahu in the ninth, it'd be very interesting. And the number nine and the ninth, oh, it's beautiful. But you know, there's lots, we haven't talked really much about, about uh, fetishes and, and, and pedophilia and why and all that. We, we touched on a little bit, but not enough. But you know what? If you look at everything, in your quiet time that's bothering you, including all of the deviant sexual practices, all of the horror of what goes on in the world that we recoil against. And you put your hand on your heart and you say, I want to know, I want to understand, and I want to be a force for dissipation or integration or dissolution or whatever, transformation. Not doing it, we can't do anything, but we can bring it to the heart and go, well, I've been thinking about this, or I've been really disgusted by this, uh, this outbreak of pedophilia or, 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 or gurus and priests abusing, all of it. doesn't matter what it is. I tell you, it's a very quick way, and I could talk for months about it. But take it to the heart, put your hand on your heart, sit quietly, maybe breathe, maybe go outside, maybe go into nature, and ask, be curious. And that's all asking is being curious so i'm sorry i wanted to go back and do a little tie it up the little bow how to be with apparent uh, trauma disgust the whole lot whatever it might be murder violence rape the whole thing and there's a bit about rahu and rape on the on that little bit that's on i haven't published the song of rahu yet but i will but the little bit that's been recorded that people can access it's famine, rape, and the scavenging dogs of war, and still I am the divine beloved. I, I'm glad I mentioned the ninth house now because it preempted that, and I really will enjoy listening back to that. Um, because, yeah, you, you need to go there, quote unquote, to actually process it. You can't, you know, make gold until you actually do go there. You've got to find the shit. You can't clean a window till you see the stains on it. You can't do anything. You have to look, you have to open your eyes. I mean, look at the story of, of, of Medusa and, and, you know, being turned to stone and any of the myths and legends. But the, the best way is to experiment. And if it's all too much, take the tiniest little thing, the titchiest little bit that you can bear without being overwhelmed. Take that to the heart. Don't try and bite all, more, more than you can chew uh, because, yes, it can be overwhelming. It's amazing how you bring up Medusa as well, because of course that myth ties nicely in with Rahu. Of course, the whole myth about the, her having her head cut off and the head yeah, snakes yeah. falling back. And if you looked in her eyes, you froze. I mean, that's all a Rahu story. Yes, it's, the, it's the, the stagnation, the freezing, what you can't deal with, you put in the freezer. Literally, I was talking about putting mm. food in the freezer. <laughs> to, and you've got, but there's nothing in your life that hasn't, you, you can't leave it in the freezer. If it comes into your mind or your life, it's the same thing, whether it's on the inner or on the outer, it has to be digested somehow, but it doesn't need to be great trauma. If once you begin the mechanism, once you activate the habit of putting your hand on your heart and, and being curious to allow the heart field to take over and digest it, 
it will do so because it the heart field is naturally an alchemist it's its state it's an alchemical process and it will digest anything but you just have to ex be curious and experiment don't just go well that's rubbish or that that can't happen but it will and then and then if it's interfering with your life or it's getting in the way of what apparently of what you want to how you want to live you will find that uh, it might take uh, longer than you would anticipate it might be immediate but the heart will always the heart field will always 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 because it loves it it's like it, it, it rahu is its beloved these are the doorways these are the doorways to integrating our true self So thank you for listening to the podcast all the way through to the end. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And if you would like to continue this conversation with Kishori, her website is magicmakeover.com. That's magic with a K, M-A-G-I-C-K hyphen makeover.com. My own website here is timelineastrology.com. And you can find me at patreon.com forward slash timeline astrology if you'd like to support my work here with the astrology and go a bit deeper with day by day forecasts and reports as well as monthly forecasts and videos and so much more. So thanks once again for listening and I look forward to our next conversation with Kishori when we look at Rahu in the ninth house. Until next time.